Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. One week from today, the legislative session will be over, which means that every single day that passes matters. And with that in mind, the Texas Senate decided to work over the weekend. Late Friday night, Dade Phelan called an audible, canceled their entire day Saturday, gave the legislature two and a half days off, said, come back Monday afternoon. We'll get back to work. Deadlines are approaching and this is killing key conservative policy. We're gonna break this down for you today. Let's get to the show. So we're about to land the plane. We're in the last few days of the legislative session. Today's Tuesday and on Tuesday, it's the very last day that you can even pass uh, Senate bills in the Texas House of Representatives. So even though the legislative session goes through till next Monday, so many of these deadlines essentially kill bill after bill after bill. So as one example, the uh, Senate bill that would ban Chinese land ownership of agriculture, land, water, minerals, oil and gas, that's already dead because it is still in committee, the State Affairs Committee. Multiple good pieces of legislation that we talked to you about last week. So I got a lot of emails or texts back from people who uh, listened to the episode where I just outlined all of these different Senate bills that were dying in the Texas House of Representatives, okay? I'm here to tell you that all of those bills are dead. Now, as I can uh, definitively say that, because they needed to pass out by Saturday, and the fact that they didn't and a committee report wasn't sent to the calendars committee means they didn't even have a chance. Now, the truth is there are a lot of bills that have even been placed on Tuesday's calendar that are still dead. And why is that the case? Because Friday night, Speaker Phelan got up and bumbled his way into adjourning the legislative session, but he did something unexpected. And when I say unexpected, I don't think the vast majority of Texas House members expected him to do this. He canceled Saturday's work. The legislature had planned to come in Saturday and on the docket included a couple key election integrity bills and a number of bills that are actually going to pass Monday. But the reality was when he did that delay, he took all of Saturday's calendar and punted them till Monday afternoon. See, every single day matters. And we've stressed this since January when we talked about the five-day weekends. And then it's kind of a theory. You're theoretically explaining to people that all of these days add up. But at this moment in time, you literally say that as of Friday night, the only time you have to pass Senate bills off the House floor on second reading is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday by midnight. And when Friday night hits and he says members, and they were all planning on coming on Saturday. They had a calendar for Saturday. They had been informed earlier that day by the speaker, we're coming in on Saturday. He gets up and says, members, Charlie Guerin moves that the house would be adjourned until Monday at 1 p.m. Now, what does that mean, Monday at 1 p.m.? Now, first of all, you have to understand, Charlie Guerin doesn't actually get up. They just select different members to make the motion and the speaker reads it. Ultimately, these are the speaker's decisions that he makes. So he basically said, not only are we not gonna hear legislation on Saturday like we were already going to, we're definitely not gonna hear it on Sunday. We're not gonna hear it most of Monday because when we come in Monday, they didn't even start debating stuff until 2 p.m. And now Monday, you have the Monday afternoon calendar and the Tuesday calendar. 
So the reality is that they then took Saturday's calendar, added it onto Monday's calendar, set a calendar for Tuesday, and look, all this legislation we're gonna get done. Here's what I can guarantee you is gonna happen. And as I'm coming to you, I can't definitively say it because it hasn't happened yet, but I will update you in our second episode this week. You are going to watch Democrats kill substantial, substantive Republican policy. And when I say watch them kill it, the Calendars Committee in the Texas House of Representatives essentially think of it like this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like the movie scenes where like the mob boss brings out the person and then hands this like young recruit a gun is like, you have to kill this person, okay? That's kind of how the Calendars Committee treats this legislation with Democrats, okay? They hogtie the legislation, they beat the legislation around a while, they bring it out and they're like, hey, we put it where you just, we teed it right up. All you gotta do is pull the trigger and this sucker's gonna die. And then when the Democrats kill the bill, Republicans are outraged. We actually talked about this just a couple weeks ago when Jeff Leach and Tom Oliverson and these guys were outraged that Democrats killed legislation that would have protected detransitioners. Now, they killed the legislation that was completely set up on a tee for them to kill. It wasn't a fast pitch, it wasn't a curveball. it's a T-ball, guys. It's literally like, here it is, all you have to do is swing the bat and it's gonna die. That is how easy it is for Democrats to kill many of the substantive conservative policies that Democrats, that, that they've been set up to kill from the Calendars Committee in the Texas House of Representatives. And it says so much about the priorities of the Texas House that they have looked at all of these other policies for the entire session. And then on the very last calendar, they happen to get around to saying, hey, you know what? We should stop funding woke ideology through our public pension system. The ESG legislation, I've talked about this numerous times on my show. We've got all of our money in all of our pension accounts invested many of them into these index funds that are voting for radical leftist policies. And this is what Ron DeSantis did in Florida when he stepped up and said, we're not going to have ESG with our pension systems. We are not gonna vote in favor of any of these ESG policies. In fact, we're gonna vote against them. And Senator Hughes and several other people have championed these policies all along the way. Well, guess what? They're now set pretty late in the calendar so that Democrats can easily kill them. The COVID vaccine mandate ban, we likely won't get to. Why? Because it has been specifically set at a place in the calendar so that Democrats can decide, do we get there, do we not? So it all comes down to Democrats. We're literally saying, hey Democrats, you decide how much of this Republican policy you would like us to pass. We give them the keys to the car and say, you take this where you want it to And this is what's happening in the final days of the legislative session. Now, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has already made it clear, like, we will come back all summer. Don't make summer plans. The Senate's even made some last minute moves to try to give the House one more opportunity to pass an actual school choice program. Do something is what they're basically saying. Take advantage of the time we have. We have this session. Let's make it happen. On Friday, we were debating the DEI ban at the university level. And you have to understand that 
the Texas Senate passed a very strong bill out of their chamber that said all of these DEI policies, remember we had Scott Yenner on our program, he talked about the six, 700 employees that A&M and UT have combined that do nothing but push these Marxist ideas. This bill said they don't exist anymore. We're getting rid of their positions. We're not even allowing the university to push all of the ideas they have. You're not allowed to create these programs that are designed to treat people based on these immutable characteristics, the color of their skin. You can't do that. You can't have a racist program. That's basically what it says. The Senate passed a great bill. House leadership, John Kemple, guts the bill and walks it down into this bill that basically says, well, you can't do it unless it's privately funded, which by the way, you're just going to raise a bunch of private funds and then have the 300 employees work for like these grants and these leftist foundations and stuff that are allowed to now hand money to our colleges and keep all of the programs alive. So they built all of these loopholes. The debate starts, Representative Matt Schaefer authored two great amendments on the bill, most of which got on. There was a pause for a while. There was a lot of negotiations that happened, but Representative Schaefer's language largely gets added onto the bill. So it goes from this bill with all these loopholes to now back to a stronger version that says, we're getting rid of all this woke ideology on our university campuses. And then Democrats sit there and just debate. And they throw amendment after amendment after amendment after amendment after amendment. Dozens of amendments at this bill. They're crying and screaming and yelling. And the antics, the fit that they're throwing, is rewarded by House leadership, who then pause and decide, hey, let's give them something. So they give them three aspects of one amendment offered by Chairman Kemple. One is that they say, okay, how about this? For y'all's sake, and bear in mind that at this point, House leadership, the only leverage Democrats have is we can make you debate this late into the night. They can't kill the bill. They don't have the votes. They tried to kill it with points of order. They tried to amend it. Every one of their amendments failed by 20 votes, 20 to 30 vote margins. So they basically cannot change this bill. And House leadership is like, we don't really want to be here. Oh, but then that kind of makes sense, right? Because they didn't even come back for the weekend. So not only are we not coming back for the weekend, we don't even really want to be here right now. We don't feel like governing. So what if we give you some stuff and then maybe you can let us all go home? Because that's the kind of mentality that House leadership is in in the final week of session. So they tell Democrats, we'll give you three things. And John Kemple gets up and offers this amendment. He offers an amendment that says, hey, instead of banning DEI in September, let's ban it next January. That way all of our universities can still have DEI in the fall semester. So that was one thing they gave Democrats, which of course, if you're a Democrat, you're like, yeah, thanks. We'd love six more months. They then said, hey, how about this? All of those people that are hired, we are going to say that the universities should hire them into a different position that pays them the same amount of money. Guys, the worst employees at the university, and by the way, the vast majority of the employees at these universities are left, okay? So they're already pretty far left. You wanna know who's the furthest left of the left at the university? The DEI employees. Their full-time job is to do nothing but spread leftist ideology on campus. And this amendment says, hey, let's make sure all of them are still hired at our colleges. This is the losing mindset of Republicans in the Texas House of Representatives.
okay? We do want to make sure that they're still there to do what? Indoctrinate all of our kids is what they're going to do. That's their full-time job. And then it did a third thing. It, it started a DEI study. It said, hey, let's have the Higher Education Coordinating Board study the effects of diversity, equity, and inclusion when we get rid of the diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they basically said, I want the Higher Education Coordinating Board, they're probably gonna have to hire some out of state DEI firm to come in and study the universities and the implications of taking DEI out of the universities. So these were three things that House leadership gave Democrats just to literally save themselves a couple hours of debate. Now, SB 17 will still get rid of those programs because of the loopholes that were basically closed up by Representative Schaefer and many other representatives who were fighting for his amendment. But the reality is that there's still some really destructive policies now that have been added to this bill for no reason. Guys, there was no reason for Dade Phelan and his lieutenants to give these policy wins. Not, this isn't uh, just kind of a, a pat on the back. This isn't just like uh, a win that makes you feel good. This is a legitimate policy victory. Why were Democrats freaking out? They were freaking out during the SB 17 debate. They filed dozens of amendments because every single one of these employees are literally like they're foot soldiers in the battlefield of trying to win this state. And then we're like, hey, how about this? We'll keep using all this Texas taxpayer money to pay all these people. They're like, great, that would be so much better. In fact, if you do that, we won't throw up another 20 amendments that we'll all lose. This is how it works. So we'll let you know what happens with SB 17, the ultimate conclusion. This will go back to the Senate the Senate will have to decide whether it actually goes to conference. We hope they do, because this is not a policy that should be taken lightly. It is not a policy that should be surrendered to the left, even a little bit. We shouldn't surrender 5% of the bill to the left. We've already sacrificed the CRT ban. The Texas House of Representatives killed the ban on critical race theory at our universities. So critical race theory is going to be in our universities for the next two years. And the Texas House of Representatives made sure of that. The DEI bill is not even going to get rid of all of the leftist ideas, just these one little aspect. Probably one of the most significant aspects, but not all of it, which is why we can't cede one inch to the Democrats, but this is the mindset. You have Monday and Tuesday's calendar, and for some of you out there, you might see posts that get made about, this bill's been on Tuesday's calendar, this bill's been on Tuesday's calendar, this bill's on there. And just know that if you go to Tuesday's calendar, very little bit of Tuesday's calendar is guaranteed to be gotten to. Unless you're at the top list on that calendar, there's a chance we don't get to it. And there's actually a chance we don't get to any of Tuesday's calendar if Democrats don't want to. The only thing we will get to on Tuesday is anything that Democrats are okay with us getting to at the end of the day. So that's where we're at. That's what we have to deal with. That's what's going on. The governor, outside of his comments on school choice, has said very little. So as we're in this kind of final week 
There's not a lot that's coming out from the governor's office. There's not a lot of signals being made. But he did send a strong signal in saying, if you don't pass something with school choice, we're not going to take this. We're not taking the summer off. He made it pretty clear. Y'all should plan on coming back. You're going to have to still deal with this. And what happened in the public education committee at that point is that they sat on their school choice bill because he basically said the school choice bill you're doing only affects several hundred thousand students, okay? So I want something that's in the several million students can get into this program. And the Texas House basically were, said, we don't even think we can get to your starting point, so we're not even gonna move the bill. We're not even gonna try to move a piece of policy that could get us where we need to get the governor's support to the level that we wouldn't have to come back this summer. The budget is still being negotiated. The amount of property tax relief that is on the table is still being negotiated. Every single one of these items is coming down to the final back and forth between each chamber. Now, one thing I wanna to bring to y'all's attention is the fact that Robert Montoya, our lead investigative reporter here at Texas Scorecard, has just started a new series on human trafficking. It's something really worth each and every single one of y'all taking a look at, reading, diving into, following along with. He's gonna be releasing this over the next week to week and a half. Um, the first piece is Destroying Souls, Sex, Slavery, in Texas by Robert Montoya. You can go to Texas Scorecard, go to Read, and go to Investigations. It's also on the homepage right now, so if you go there, you can read these stories. Guys, we've talked a lot about the border. We've talked a lot about the open border that we have in Texas. Now, human trafficking will happen even if you close the border. So it is an issue that overlaps with the issue of border security, but it is not the same thing, okay? It just has an interest and is, let's say, more prevalent when you actually open up your southern border and say, ship in as many human beings as you want to. Because when you're trafficking humans, some of those people can get actually brought into sex slavery as well. So Robert Montoya does a great job breaking that down. And honestly, he has a lot more coming out. So if this is an issue that you care about, if it's an issue that people in your church care about, a lot of churches have specific groups set up to deal with human trafficking and sex trafficking issues. A lot of people uh, are working in this industry, as you know. And when I say the industry, I mean good political nonprofits and groups and church organizations that are actually helping rescue people. So if those are people you know, you should send them this information because Robert Montoya does a great job breaking down all of what's happening within human trafficking that we know of in Texas. So check out Robert Montoya's not only current piece, follow along as he breaks down pieces on human trafficking and sex slavery in our state. And speaking of like trafficking kids, sexualizing kids, we're going to close with just relishing in the passage of Senate Bill 12, a bill that will stop sexual performances in the presence of children. Now, here's the ironic thing. When this bill passed second reading on Friday, only 12 Democrats voted no. And this is what my first thought was when I saw that happen. A bunch of Democrats didn't actually want to say, hey, we should literally vote to allow sexual dances in front of kids. So they just voted present, not voting, okay? There were like seven or eight Democrats that voted for it. 12 that voted against it, and the rest were all like, present not voting. I just don't want to put my name to this. They got a ton of crap over the weekend. So by the time it came around to Monday, 45 Democrats all voted no. I think everybody just gave them a bunch of pressure, and they're like, okay, fine. I'll vote to let people, you know, 
I don't know, gyrate and move around in front of kids, which seems weird that they would vote for that. But welcome to the Democrat Party of Texas. Oh, by the way, this is the same Democrat Party that Dave Phelan is handing goodies out to on the floor. If y'all throw a big enough fit, we'll give you a bunch of amendments that help all your pals to continue to be hired in our universities, even though you're the same ones that are like, I want sexual dances in front of kids. But that's okay. That's how they, you know, that's how house leadership works. But just the first thought I had when I saw 12 no votes on Friday was Texas House leadership was going to kill a bill that only 12 Democrats had the guts to vote no on. And that's crazy to me. What that means is that we have such a losing mentality in the Texas House that something that has such broad-based support for it that even, you know, seven, eight, nine Democrats will vote to with every Republican to stop this kind of stuff. That's the kind of policies that are bottled up, just sitting there for months. And then they're moving out the most random Democrat legislation. Texas Family Project shows up and starts blasting every single person in Dade Phelan's district. And within 24 hours, the bill's set for a hearing. It has a hearing. They meet. They vote the bill out. They have a you know formal meeting, they get that bill moving. That thing had legs once accountability and transparency was brought to the actions that were happening. And these issues are powerful. They're so powerful that a Republican Speaker of the House who literally was supported by the LGBTQ caucus to get elected and said, I want to reform the Republican Party when he was state affairs chairman. I want to reform the Republican Party. I don't want us to be the party of gay bashers anymore. It's the 21st century. We need to move on from these issues. That's what he said. Fast forward four years. He's kind of like, well, look, they just started telling people in my district I'm killing this bill. Now I got to pass it. These issues are powerful. They're so powerful that even bad Republicans who will cut any deal with Democrats can't cut a deal on stuff like this. And that's why these issues have to continue to be brought to light. That's why organizations like Texas Scorecard and Texas Family Project and other people, that's why this show is important. We literally are trying to bring you this information because it's when they're brought to light that even Republicans that would cut any deal with the Democrat can't do it on these issues. They have to address them. And I'll tell you this, the left's not going away. They're not going to walk away from this session and say, you know what? The message is clear. We're not allowed to sexualize the kids. We're not allowed to trans the kids. We're not allowed to queer the kids. They're not going to say that. That's not the message that the left has received. The left doubles down. The left goes for more. The left gets more angry and they try to take more ground. We're about to go into the most debaucherous season of the year. Uh, some call it Pride Month. But we're going to go into a, a, I'm telling you, I don't even know what to prepare for in June. Because these people know that they have been significantly slapped down. They know that a significant amount of policy victory has been had against them. And I don't think their reaction is going to be to go quietly into the night. So stay on the alert. Keep your eyes down. That's just a general good rule during uh, June. I don't know what to call it. Okay, some people don't like it when I call it Pride Month, but I, I think when people hear Pride Month, they think like, close your eyes, look down. I feel like driving down when I was like five or six, mom would be like, don't look to the right because there's some like, you know, I don't know, billboard for Twin Peaks or something. And so I'm like, well, no, I'm going to look to the right. But okay, I was five or six. I didn't know what I was doing. But I'll tell you this. I hear Pride Month and I just like look down. I don't know what's out there. 
It's a jungle. Who knows what you're going to run into? That's what we're going into. And what we're going to see, what we are going to learn in June is what kind of bills we need to pass in 2025. That's what we're going to learn. We're going to literally watch behavior and say, how do we stop that from happening? How do we stop that from happening? And legislation is going to start getting drafted. This is why we have to be on the alert. But the good news is that when everyone stepped up and said, no more of these sexual performances in front of kids, that bill does look like it's going to get to the governor's desk. And it will mean that some of these performances that were scheduled to happen in June and July and August are not going to happen. So praise God. I'm very grateful. We've got a lot more work ahead of us. And hopefully we have a handful more policy victories left for this legislative session. And we will let you know if there are any later this week. God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.